What's up, church? How you guys doing this morning? All right. Great. Um, Christmas is almost here. Kind of crazy to think about. Some of you guys, you're like in the full swing of all everything Christmas. You're, you're going to the parties. You got the gift exchanges, the get-togethers. You got all that stuff. You got your tree up. You got your decorations. Some of you guys, you're drinking your eggnog, whatever you do. I don't know. You're watching your cheesy Christmas movies like Hallmark Channel is like the channel. I know how some of you guys are. You're crazy, okay? All the movies, they all have the same plot, and they're all the same. Um, but, uh, I mean, they are, okay? Hallmark, you, I can tell you what's going to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you're like full into the Christmas music, sitting there on your couch with your cozy little hot chocolate, you know, watching your Hallmark movies. Um, it's like the busiest time of year for, for a lot of us, maybe even most of us in here. It's just got so much going on in our lives. And I feel like for a lot of us, because we got all this stuff happening and we're doing this and we got to do that and this is tradition, we got this, we got that. You know, for a lot of us, I think it's easy for us to lose excitement and to lose the joy that the Christmas season should actually bring to us. Let's, let's take a trip down memory lane real quick, all right? Uh, remember how it was when you were a kid, the Christmas time? how exciting that was. It was just like, you know, you could not wait for Christmas because you're going to get this present, you're going to get this, and you ask mom and dad for that, and you hope you're going to get it, but you're not sure. But, you know, you're just like, you're so into it. As a kid, um, you got the tree. The tree, when you're a kid, is like a massive tree in your house. You're just like, whoa, you know, that big old thing. You got the lights. And it's like Christmas could not come fast enough. You guys remember that? Remember how that was? Like Christmas Eve's like the worst day of year because you're like almost there, but you're not there, Right? Okay, all right, that's how it was. That's how it was for me. Uh, could not wait. And now, it's not like that, right, for most of us. I mean, for most of us, for, uh, for a lot of us, it's just like, here we go again. We got the Christmas time. We got we to gotta get all our check marks off the list. We got to take care of this. We got to take care of that. And it's just another Christmas or it's just another year. We know, hey, if we don't get to everything, Christmas will be back in just a few months. And uh, we could do it next year if we don't get it to this year. Just last week, Kate was asking me, she's like, hey, um, are you putting up the lights on the outside? That's something that I've like always done since we've been in our house. Part of it is because our neighbors always put up lights, and I'm like, I'm not going to be, you know, the dark house on the street, and, uh, and so it's kind of a little competitive for me. I'm like, I'm going to do more lights than what they do, but then they upgraded to LED, and that was annoying because I haven't done that yet, and so you got all this stuff going on, but uh, this year, she's, uh, just last week, she's like, hey, are you going to put those up? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really feel like doing it. It's cold out. It's kind of rainy, you know, that day. And it's like, I got to get the ladder. I got to get this. I got to go find all this stuff. Half the lights don't even work. You know, it's just all this stuff that we go through. And I'm just like, I just don't, not feeling it this year. And so it's like we get into a routine within our lives just in general. And anything that breaks that routine kind of becomes a pain. Right, it, like it, Christmas time, it kind of becomes a pain. It's just out of routine, and so there might be even a tiny part of us, if we're honest with ourselves, that's like we're ready for the holiday season to be over. And as years go on, we're not into the waiting anymore. Right, we're not. We we've kind of lost that anticipation. We've lost that excitement that we had as a kid. That's where the Jewish people were on the first. Christmas or leading up to the first Christmas. You see, the Jewish people, they have been waiting for a long, long time 
for a person who they called the Messiah. Messiah is just an old word for the word Savior, okay? So that's what it means. For a Savior who is actually going to change the game. A Savior who is going to fix their relationship with their creator. Now, the Savior was first promised to their ancestor, uh, this guy named Abraham. And so God goes to Abraham and says, hey, guess what? Here's the deal. I'm going to grow you into this large nation of people, the Jewish people. And, uh, and I'm going to, through your people or through your line or through your family, I'm going to have someone or I'm going to send someone, a descendant of yours, who is going to come and save the world. All right, so pretty big thing. That's a pretty big promise that we see here. Now, the question is, what do we need saving from? All right, that's sin. Every single one of us. We are all messed up, jacked up, horrible, terrible people. We're all the same here, including myself. We're all sinners. None of us in this room are perfect, no matter how good you think you are. You're not good enough. Not to God. And so God, being perfectly holy, but also being perfectly just, that's a problem for us. Because he cannot be with sin, A, and B, sin has to be paid for. It has to be punished. That is because he's perfectly just. He has to bring justice. And so God promised Abraham saying, hey, someone is coming who is going to take care of it. And one of his descendants was going to save the world. So Abraham had a son. His name was Isaac. We see him uh, in the Bible. Then Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob then had 12 sons. And at one point in their life, that there's this huge drought in the land. And so the 12 sons and Jacob, they actually move to Egypt where they have food. And in Egypt, after a while, they start growing. Their, their family becomes rather large. And so the Egyptian people are like, who are these Jewish people in our land? They're not Egyptians like us. Why are they here? And so they enslave the Jewish people for four Hundred years, they're stuck there until this guy named Moses, God uses this guy named Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And so God gives them this land, right, actually where Israel is at today, same piece of land, same chunk of land, and, uh, and God gives it to them. And Israel and the Jews, they grow into a nation. They even have kings. You got King Saul, King David, King Solomon, um, and they have, a, they have government, and they, they grow into this nation. But these people also leave God. They kind of leave God in the dust. They start worshiping all these fake gods and worshiping all these things that all the nations around them are worshiping. And they kind of get sucked in. And so what God does is he sends them messengers. We call these guys prophets. So that's all a prophet is, okay? Some of you guys are like, what's a prophet? This sounds kind of weird. All right, a prophet is just a messenger sent by God. So literally, it goes something like this. God would say, hey, guy, you're going to be a messenger for me. And so this prophet would be like, okay, what do you have? And so God would say, tell those people that I said this. And so the messenger or the prophet would say, okay, I got the message. And he walks over to these people and he says, hey, God says this. Pretty simple, right? That's what a prophet was. And so God starts sending these guys and ladies to, to Israel saying, hey, this is what God says. These people are saying, hey, you need to get back right with God. You need to go back to God. And guess what? The Messiah is coming. All right? The Savior that he promised Abraham, your ancestor, so long ago, he is still coming. God hasn't forgotten your promise. But you guys need to get right with God. And some did. But the majority didn't. 
And God allows other countries to invade and defeat Israel. First, if you remember from like, I think I learned this stuff like in fifth grade. First, you got the first world empire, uh, Assyria. They come in, they defeat Israel. And then Babylon comes in and they defeat the parts that Assyria couldn't defeat. And so, and so the Israel gets invaded. In the meantime, uh, God is still sending these prophets. He's still sending these messengers. Uh, 750 years before Jesus was born, there's this prophet named Isaiah who steps on the scene. And he's like, hey, God. Guys, you guys need to get right with God. God is still going to send uh, the Messiah. There's one coming who is going to save you. And Isaiah gives us some details that God gives. He says, hey, there's going to be kind of this weird thing. Uh, never happened before. It's going to be a miracle. But this, this, this Messiah is going to be born from a virgin. Okay, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how that's possible. It's just what God told me to tell you, right? That's what Isaiah is saying. And then Isaiah also tells him that, hey, this prophet or this Messiah is literally going to be Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So here's Isaiah saying, hey, literally someday God's going to send the Messiah, and the Messiah is actually going to be God who is going to like live among us. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. And then 500 years before Jesus was born, we see that uh, there's this prophet named Daniel. He steps on the scene. He's like, hey, here's the exact timing that, that God's trying to tell you guys. He says, hey, 483 years from, from this point that the Messiah is, will be here on earth. He's going to be here. He's going to be in Jerusalem. He's going to be walking through that gate. And then uh, years after that, you got this, this prophet named Micah saying, hey, the Messiah, the Savior, he's coming, and he's going to be born in this tiny little town called Bethlehem. It's going to be weird. I don't know why God picked that out, but that's, that's what God says. And then silence. And the silence lasted 400 years. I mean, can you imagine that? It's like prophet, 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 all this stuff. God seems to be super involved with what's going on in Israel that we see in the Old Testament. And then 400 years, nothing. Until one day, we see in Luke chapter 1. It says, in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of uh, Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. It says, both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. So these are some good people. He says, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. By the word, well along, this is just Bible talk, really nice talk for super old. Okay, these people are old. They're like really, really old. Um, that's what the Bible's telling us. So um, first here, we're introduced to this older couple. You got this, this guy named Zechariah. We don't know much about him, but we do know that he is a, he's a Jewish priest, and uh, we also know that he's a pretty good guy. And then his wife named Elizabeth, uh, she, we, we don't know much about her except for that she can't have children. They don't have any kids, uh, but they're both just, just really, really good people. So you with me? Okay, all right. Uh, next verse. He says, when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God. Now, let me explain real quick what they would do back then. Um, every year, what a priest would do, it wasn't be like a full-time priest. It was like if you're a priest, you would actually live at home and do your normal job all year, except for two one-week periods 
throughout the year, okay? You with me on that? So it'd be like uh, a priest would leave home, they would go to the temple and work as a priest for a week in the spring, let's say, and then they would go back home after that week, and then they would go back for, to the temple in the week for a week in the fall, and they would do two one-week periods throughout the year, and they would help run things at the temple. Now, it took around 18,000 priests throughout the year to run the temple. So uh, Zechariah, he's one of those 18,000 18, guys. And so each day, a priest would go into the, a place of inside the temple that's literally called the holy place. All right, so pretty special there. And um, they would burn incense, and this was chosen by lots. So it's kind of like chosen by straws um, in, in their minds. It, and so getting picked was just, it was just a huge honor. You guys remember how it would be like, uh, like in gym class growing up? Remember how the teacher would do that? You'd have your captains or at recess or, you know, whatever. And they would all, they would stand there in front of like the whole group and they would, they would pick. You guys, some of you guys is like PTSD. You're like, oh, no, not that. You know, I was always last. You know, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, I, I, uh, I, I remember the, those times. For me, I was never like a first pick person, but I was, I was like middle of the pack. You know, any of middle of the pack people in here? All right, don't be, don't be shy, it's okay, all right, I'm with you. Uh, some of you guys are like, you know, okay. But uh, I remember one time, so I ran, and I was, I was semi-athletic, I guess. I ran track and, and, uh, and played football and, you know, did stuff in, in high school and middle school. Um, but uh, but I, I ran track all four years of high school. My sophomore year of high school, we were in gym, and I remember this vividly. It's one of the brightest points of my high school career. Um, we're in gym, and uh, the gym teacher says, hey, we are going to do track and field for like the next week. And I'm like, track and field, all right, I do that, all right? None of these other people are on the track team. I'm the only one on the track team. This is going to be really good for me, all right, and for my ego. That's what I'm thinking. And so the teacher comes up with these, uh, you know, they sets the captains. I think we split up in like four or five teams. There was a bunch. And, uh, and the first girl to pick, you know, she gets to pick the top person, the best person, the fastest person in the entire class. And we're all sitting on the gym floor, and we're all, you know, we're all sitting there. And she goes, first pick, she picked me. And I was pumped. This is the first time I'd ever been picked. And so I, like, you know, I'm like, I stand up, tower over everybody who's sitting on the ground. You know, I kind of smile at them, chest up, and I walk over. Her name was Kelly, and I walk over to Kelly, and I'm like, I'll win this for you, you know. And, uh, you know, it was like a huge, it, for me, again, it was like a huge honor. I was picked first, first time in my life ever, probably. I, you know, I was like, I finally picked first for something. That's kind of how this was for these priests. It wasn't, it was so much more important than getting for, picked first for something in, in class, right? This was like in the sense of God got to pick them to go in and offer this incense right on the altar in this place is literally called the holy place. And so what we're going to see here, that, that's kind of what was going on. And they did all this stuff at the temple. So when uh, Zechariah is there and he's on duty and he's doing his work throughout the week, he's there for a week, it says it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn the incense. So for Zechariah, this is huge. Like, he's finally picked. I mean, he gets to go in and do this thing. This was, for, for him, I mean, this is maybe one of the best days of his life, especially professionally, but probably even personally. I mean, this was a big deal. 
not only was it a big deal and a huge honor to get chosen for this, because it's like God himself chose you, this is, this is, is something that has to be done right. Because it, when priests didn't do things right and they didn't take things seriously enough or they didn't have the right heart when doing it, sometimes, I mean, the Jewish people, when we see in the Old Testament, like, this happens sometimes. Sometimes God would just kill them on the spot. Just say, hey, you're not doing this right, and you don't care enough, and you don't understand how holy and perfect I am. You're done. And so back then, the priests were, were you know, this was, this was important that he do things the right way, the way that God had called them to do. And sometimes when they would send a priest in uh, to this type of area, that they would tie a rope around the priest's leg, send him in. Because if God does strike him down, ain't no one wanting to go in and get him, you know. And so they could at least, you know, slide him out on the floor um, and, uh, and get his body out of there. So Zechariah gets ready. And I don't know if Zechariah had the rope thing or not uh, at this point. Maybe even he ties a rope around his, around his ankle and he goes in. It says, an angel of the Lord, as he's doing his thing, whatever that is, he says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now think about this for a second. This is the first time in 400 years that anybody has heard anything from God, all right? It's the first time. I mean, God has been silent, absolutely silent. No prophets, no messengers, no nothing. They got the Old Testament. That's it. For 400 years. And so, it's, so he's saying, here's this angel that just shows up out of nowhere, and he's standing to the right of the altar of incense, and Zechariah says, when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. So it's been 400 years since anybody has heard anything from God. And this angel shows up. And uh, I think for a lot of us, we look at this and we're like, well, yeah, I mean, this is the Bible we're reading. And so, yeah, angels show up sometimes and they do their thing and they, you know, they tell people things. And, and for us, it's just like, yeah, this, this is kind of a normal thing. No, this is not normal. Okay, this does not Happen And Zechariah, you can see in his response, he doesn't just go, oh, an angel. That's cute. He doesn't say, hey, what's up, angel? Where have you been for 400 years? What's going on? We thought you guys forgot about us. Like, what's, what's going on? He, he doesn't say that. No, Zechariah's response is he is freaking out. He is terrified, and he is overcome with fear. By the way, this is the typical response that we see in the Bible when angels and people interact with each other. The person freaks out, okay? It's, it's not, uh, it's, they, they, they lose their minds. Um, it's funny because we view angels in this day and age as like our great-great-grandmother looking down on us. You know, she's got her wings and... Uh, you know, she's, she's watching us do our thing, and she kind of chuckles a little bit when we do something kind of wrong, you know. And we think of angels as like, as like that type of thing, or, or like as babies in diapers shooting little arrows and bouncing around on clouds and doing that thing. Like, that is not what an angel is, okay? There's nowhere even close to the Bible that describes, that describes angels in that way. They're not gentle, and they are not cute, um, when the, really, when an angel shows up in the Bible that we see them, people see them. I mean, people lose their minds. They're otherworldly creatures. And so Zechariah sees this angel, and you know what he's probably thinking, right? He's probably like, oh, man, did I do that in the right order? Oh, shoot, did I do something wrong? Like, he's probably thinking, I'm a goner. 
So this is what happens. You know, so this is what the angel says to him. He says, but the angel said to him, he says, hey, don't be afraid. He's like, hey, you're going to have to change your shorts in a little bit, but just hold up there. Don't be afraid. All right? And uh, he says, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Now, what do you think Zechariah has been praying for? There's probably two things. Scholars debate this stuff, and I don't know why. I don't think it necessarily matters that much. But, um, but scholars say, well, number one, he's, he's, you know, he's been praying for a kid. And I would say, yeah, he probably had prayed a kid for a kid a long time ago, because right? he's old. Maybe 50 years before, this is one of his biggest things in his life. Like, hey, I need a child. Me and Elizabeth, you know, or Elizabeth and I, we'd like, we'd like a child. And, 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 that was, and that's important. But I also feel like, you know, he's probably, I mean, he's a priest. He's probably praying to God also for, hey, where's the Messiah? What's going on? I thought, I thought this was all going to happen. It's been 400 years of silence. And so Zechariah, he's been praying. He's probably been praying for both a lot in his life. And he probably hasn't prayed for a child for a long time. But, uh, but he's probably prayed for both so much within his life and uh, seemingly no answer. Have you ever been there before? All right. Have you been in that spot where you're like praying something so hard to God? Like, you know, you're, you're praying all the time. Like, God, you know, I really need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. And it's like just no answer. You ever feel that way? Where it's like, God, are you even there? Sometimes, um, you know, we're, we're asking God for a lot of stuff. And by the way, probably the majority of our prayer is asking for stuff. Have you noticed that? Okay. Majority of prayer is not usually thanking him for what he's done for us and what he's given us. It's not usually uh, just telling him about our day and telling him, hey, this is frustrating. Hey, I got this. Hey, you know, this is awesome. Thanks for that. You know, it's not usually like that. Usually the majority of our time praying is spent asking for more stuff. Okay, I'm just pointing that out. And I'm not saying that's wrong, okay? I'm not saying asking for a new car or for God to fix this problem or for our health or if God would heal that person. I'm not saying that's wrong. We just ask, 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 ask. God actually tells us to ask. Like he wants us to ask him for stuff. But we're impatient. And when God doesn't answer our prayer immediately, a lot of times we start kind of looking at him with the question mark. We're just like, whoa, God. Some of us maybe even start questioning his existence. God, you did not answer my prayer in the time that I gave you to answer my prayer. And so now I'm questioning if you're even real. You know, we do this sometimes. It's like, God, where are you at? And I just want to point out real quick before we jump back in the story is that just because you can't see it doesn't mean God isn't working. Just because we in our tiny little finite, you know, vision of our life, just because we can't see where God is working doesn't mean God isn't working. I mean, some of you guys, I totally understand, maybe even right now, today, or this past week, you got something going on in your life where it's just like, man, I got this thing, I don't know what to do with it, I've been praying to God, and I feel like I'm, you know, more than normal even, and I don't feel like he's answered it, and I don't feel like, like, like he's listening, and I just don't feel like God's around. I'm just saying, yeah, we might feel that way, but that doesn't, that's not true. See, Zechariah, he probably spent years, maybe a couple decades of his life, praying for a child. And this was a really, really big deal in this culture. Because in this culture, if you didn't have a kid, like if, you're, if you were a couple and you were childless, I mean, that means not just that something was wrong with you physically. That really meant something was wrong with you morally. Like people would say, man, okay, 
you don't have a child, man, God didn't give you a kid, then, then you must have done something so bad in your life at some point in your life that he's not even giving you the, the, this gift. And so it was, it was embarrassing, I'm sure, especially as a priest. I'm sure people looked at him saying, that's a priest and he doesn't have a child. Man, I don't know if he should be a priest anymore. You know, it's just probably embarrassing. And so here's Zechariah. He's praying for this child, 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 nothing, seemingly nothing. But even the bigger picture here. It's been 400 years since anybody has heard anything from God, and everybody knows that, hey, you know, God promised to Savior, this Messiah, who's going to save the world, and, and they, the Jews have been praying for him, but no one has shown up. And so people are probably questioning God, maybe even questioning his existence. So they're just like, I don't know, that's just a, that's just a fairy tale. It's never going to happen. But God is about to answer the prayer, the, this prayer, Zechariah's prayer, in a big way, even though it's not in his timing, even though it's not the way he would do it. This is what happens. He says, because your prayer has been heard, this angel's talking. He says, your wife Elizabeth, he says, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. He says, there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. And for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Before he's even born, he's going to be something special. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So here's this angel. He just shows up on the scene. He's like, hey, um, here's the deal. Uh, you're old. <laughs> Zechariah, like, you're, you're really old. I quit. When God told me this, I was like, are you sure? We got the right guy, you know. But, uh, but God is going to give you a child, and you are to name him John. And what we're going to find out later on in the New Testament, that John and Jesus, um, they, they actually get to interact at some points when they, as, they, as they grow up. And, and uh, John, he actually gets this nickname. He the nickname that he gets is, is John the Baptist, and he, he does some special things. But uh, there's a reason why John is being born, and there's a reason why this baby's being born to Zechariah. And this is what the angel says. He says, here's the biggest deal. You're going to have a kid. You're going to have a baby. Yeah, you've been, this is great for you. He says, but he will go before him. Now, who's him? This is the Messiah. This is the Savior that everybody has been waiting for. This is Jesus. He says, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteousness and to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. He's saying, here's the deal, Zechariah. This is what's going to happen. Right? After 400 years of silence, you know, the Jewish people are probably trying to figure out if, if God's forgetting about them. Even Zechariah as a priest, he's probably thought to himself, like, where's God? What's going on? I thought he had a plan. Where's this promised Messiah? And bam, this angel shows up, and he shows up in a big way, and he tells Zechariah, number one, he's going to have a kid. And then he says, hey, and that kid will get the people ready for the coming, guess what? King. He says he's going to go out before him. He's going to make the, the whole nation or the Jewish people, he's going to, he's like, he's going to get them ready so that they'll be able to receive the Messiah. They'll be able to, to welcome in this coming king that's coming afterwards. By the way, this is the most important message that the angel has. It's not about Zechariah having a son that he's been praying for, for for a long time when he was younger. All right, the most important message that this angel's bringing is he's saying, hey, it's time. The Messiah is coming. The Savior of the world is here. This is such great news. And Zechariah, what we're going to see, he just misses it. He's not, it's not like registering with him, which, by the way, is exactly how we are 
many times, maybe most of the time during the, the holidays or during the Christmas season. A lot of times, I mean, we just got all these things going on in our life. We're just so busy and we're kind of out of our routine. So everything kind of just messed up, like our schedule's messed up. And we got this, we got that, we got to do this, we got to do that. And it's just all this stuff and we just miss it. That's what Zechariah is missing right here. Next, uh, next verse. Zechariah, he, he's standing there. And, um, and he's like, how can I know this? He asked the angel. He says, for I am an old man. He's like, whoa, buddy, I don't know how it works in heaven, okay? I don't know how it works with angels and stuff, but look at me. Like, yeah, this ain't going to work, okay? Like, I'm, he says, I'm an old man. My wife is really well along in years. He changes it up a little bit. Smart man. He's like, I'm super old. My wife's kind of, well, she's, she's well along in the years, which is just, again, a nice way of saying she's old well. And here's Zechariah. He's just like, you don't understand. You're about 50 years too late, buddy. Okay? It's not going to work. Next verse says the angel, he answered him. He's like, dude. All right, maybe he said dude. Maybe he didn't say dude. I wasn't there. All right? So I don't know for sure. But I would have said bro or dude. All right? He says, I'm Gabriel. Think about this. Who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this, like, really good news. Now, what's the good news? It's not the baby John. It's not that Zechariah is going to have a son. The good news is the Messiah is coming. He's like, I was sent to tell you this great, wonderful news after 400 years of silence. And now listen, because you became, or he says, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be filled in their proper time. So around nine months or so, you know, that he's saying. So here's this angel. He shows up, and he's like, he's like, are you questioning me? Like, like, you're questioning me? Like, think about it. This is the most holy place on the earth that you're standing in, and it's so holy that priests die if it's not, if what they do is not taken seriously. And I'm an angel who shows up to you, and I am actually sent by God himself with his words to tell you, and you're doubting me? He's like, and, and you doubt? He says, because you didn't believe. He's like, you're not going to be talking until this baby comes. All right? Have you ever done that with your kids where you're just like, they're driving you crazy? Or they say something, and they, you know, they disrespect or whatever it is. You're like, all right, we're done. No more talking. I know how you guys are. You guys do that sometimes, right? In the car. Okay. Where you can't get away from him, you're just stuck with him, and so that's the only, it's the only card you got, right? The only play. You're just like, all right, no more talking, we're done. That's kind of what this angel does. He's like, I don't want to hear any of your, <laughs> your dumb talk. He's like, he's like, I can't believe you're doubting this, all right? You're done, no talking until this baby comes. And so Zachariah, he starts responding, he's like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but nothing comes out. He's like squeaking or something. I don't know what that would have looked like or sounded like, but nothing comes out. He can't talk. By the way, in the meantime, if you remember, you got uh, a bunch of people waiting outside for Zechariah. Remember these people? In verse 21, it says, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they are amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. Now, we think of amazed as, hey, these people are, they're like excited, and they're like, wow, Zechariah, you're such, no, these people are going, they're amazed because they're like, oh, man, he's dead. He's just I don't know if he's got that rope on. If he does, then they're like, should we yank on that rope? Just a couple yanks, you know, just to see if he, he responds or, or what's going on here. Zechariah, he, he doesn't seem to be responding. He's a, he's a goner. In verse 22, 
it says when he did come out, he couldn't speak to them. He couldn't talk. And then they realized that he couldn't talk and that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary and he was making signs to them and he remained speechless. So here's Zechariah, he comes out, he can't talk and so he's trying to tell them that why he was in there so long or what happened, you know, he's like angels came or maybe he's doing this thing, the Napoleon died, I don't know what's going on. He's talking about a baby and he's trying to make signs to them because he can't tell them with his words. And he says, and then when the days of his ministry were completed, so the rest of the week, we don't know what day this was on, he says, he went back home. And we find out just a few months later, Zechariah has a baby. And guess what he names him? John. See, it's funny because this is a story that we often overlook. And it's really the beginning of the Christmas story, right? This is where God breaks the silence to announce the birth of the one, the Messiah, the Savior that people have been waiting for for really thousands of years. And it's an event that changes the world. It's literally the line. I mean, think about it. We even count our time based off of Jesus' birth. It's the line of everything that just changes the world. It altered the course of human history. And the world hasn't been the same since that line. But for us... Christmas just becomes routine, right? I mean, it just does. It's busy, and we got all this stuff going on. It's just something that we do every single year. It's the same stuff. We go to the same parties, same get-togethers, same gift exchanges. We do the same traditions. We do the same decorations. We watch the same movies. You know, we do all this stuff. It's just, it's just what we do. But Christmas is so much more than nostalgia and traditions. It's just this. There's so much more going on, really, that encompasses not just our little life here in Tiffin, Ohio, or Seneca County. No, this encompasses the entire human race, like, like the history of humanity. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas. And so here, my challenge for today is super simple. It's just, how about you take some time this week and think about it? Like, instead of thinking about all the things that you got to do, instead of thinking about all the things that you have to accomplish, that you have to take care of, that you have to get done, how about you take some time and just think about what Jesus did for you? And maybe, instead of praying to God and asking Him for all this, which isn't, isn't wrong, but maybe you spend a little more time thanking him for what he did. The part that we kind of overlook. See, what God did, really wrapping himself in a body and coming down here on the earth, Emmanuel, God among us, or God dwelling with us, is an event that changed the world. It's where God finally broke his silence and he put into motion the plan to save mankind. And we'll talk more about that next week. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we don't do this enough, Lord, but we thank you for coming to rescue us because we needed rescue. Lord, we needed saved. And you cared enough to do that. You didn't have to do that. You didn't owe it to us. We didn't earn that in any way. 
You did that for us before we even existed here. And Lord, you humbled yourself, something that it's just crazy to think about. Lord, we thank you for that. And we ask that as we go into this week, that we would remember why we do what we do, what we do. That we would remember the first Christmas and what Christmas actually means and why, what we're actually celebrating. Not get lost in all the busyness and all the routine that we have. And Lord, we thank you for that. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.